mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 11 as we go through the testimony of John, God's gracious gift. We're going to be in 1138 this morning is where we're beginning. We are following who? We're following the good shepherd as he leads us. And where is, where's he going? Where's he leading us to? He's leading us to where he's seated at at the right hand of God in heavenly places. He's leading us to himself. If you'll remember, uh, Lazarus is in the grave when we left last week. He's been in the grave for four days. We have our characters here really are, uh, we know that Jesus and the boys are there, the uh, disciples, uh, but our characters are Mary, which means their rebellion. She's always at Jesus' feet when you see her in scriptures. We have Martha, which means she was rebellious. And then we have Lazarus, the brother who is in the grave. And it means whom God helps. It's a type of Eleazar of the Old Testament, which is uh, a type of the Holy Spirit, one who comes alongside to help. And it's very important that we understand, well, they're in, they're in Bethany too, which means house of misery. Listen, listen, this is not our home anymore. This house down here is a house of misery. If you try to live down here in the grave, in this tomb, in this dead world, you're going to have misery. But if you understand that the good shepherd has died for us, he's leading us out. We hear his voice and we follow him. And what's he leading us out of? Out of the grave, out of this world. He's just told them, he's told Martha, she was rebellious. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, why did he tell her that? Because he's leading her to himself. Listen, he didn't say, let's talk about the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I can tell you about the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, in the future, there's a resurrection and life. He said, I am today. Today is your hope. Today is the newness of life. Today is the day that you resurrect, you get up, and you be led out of the grave when you hear his voice and you live a life for him as a witness of, of the newness of life that comes when you meet Jesus Christ. So many people, you know, when my wife passed away, they say, oh, you'll see her again. Listen, I have life today. I have the resurrection and life Jesus today. I'm not looking for my wife in heaven. 
I'm looking to see Jesus' face. Where in the world have we got this earthbound physical life so caught up in the church that we're not looking for Jesus? We're not looking to hear his voice. We're not looking to be led out of this world. The same way he led the children of Israel out of Egypt, away from Pharaoh, and across the, the Red Sea, he leads us out. And we have to listen to him. We have to listen for his voice. Why? Because look what he said. Remember what he said in John 5? Look back at John 5, verse 24. Remember what he said? He's already told us. I mean, Martha and Mary both remember it, but they misunderstood it, and they think it's something that's going to happen in the future. We're resurrected today. We're born dead and we hear his voice and we come out of the grave and then we take off the grave clothes. We, we listen and allow other people to counsel us and take off the grave clothes and we quit walking around following lies and deception and we begin to follow the good shepherd. 524, Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes and him who sent me, the Father, has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. When you hear the voice of God, when the Spirit of God speaks to you and you wake up, you've been come into life. Life is a person. Life is what we have today. Hope is what we have today. It's not just in the future. We are ambassadors for Christ. As if Christ was pleading through us, I implore you, be reconciled to God. We're leading people out of the grave by our very witness. 25, most assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking. The hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it will live. Listen to me. He's getting ready to say Lazarus' name, and Lazarus is going to get up out of the grave. Has he spoken your name? If the Holy Spirit has spoken your name and you've woke up, then you get up and you stop following the lies of this world, and you begin to follow the good shepherd, and he leads you onward and upward. He leads you to the place where he's taking you. He is the life. A relationship with him is life. It's not a future thing. It's today you're starting to come out of the grave. So many people start to race and they stay in the grave. I'm fine down here. I said a prayer. This is the pit dwelling grave where the flesh dies. And everything that listens to the voice down here will die. Make no mistake. Learn to hear Jesus' name. Learn to hear his voice. Learn to know what his truth is or you will follow a lie. This is very serious stuff, people. You can't just say, I said a prayer and listen to the spirit of Antichrist and think you can live any way that you want. Look at the text. Let's keep listening. Verse four, or 26, for as the Father has life in him, listen, there's no death in Christ. There's no death in the kingdom of God. God is the God of the living. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of Lazarus. I am the God of Lana. I am the God of those who hear my voice. This is the fifth claim he made i am the resurrection and the life and he asked for a commitment do you believe this martha you know what she said no 
She said, I believe you're the Messiah, but I don't believe I have hope today. I don't believe I can walk that out today. Basically, if you look at it, I might be reading into the text, but she didn't say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. She basically told him what she believed, and it was a little bit short of believing that there was hope that he was going to raise Lazarus today. Today is the day for salvation. Look at this, 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority, power to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Messianic term. Do not marvel thou madzo, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Listen, everybody's going to hear his voice. Everybody's going to come forth in their hour. But notice where they're going to go. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. That's hell. I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own, but the will of the father who sent me. Listen, Jesus was sent to declare the kingdom of God. He was sent as the Messiah to save your soul. He was sent to be the example to lead us out of this pit, out of this grave, out of the death that we were in. The wages of sin is death. <clears throat> Listen, the wages of sin is death. Listen, we're born dead. We're born in a grave. We're born with a sin nature. We're born listening to a liar under the sway of the wicked one. 1 John 5, 19. I know you are of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. Whose voice are you listening to today? Where is your hope coming from? No wonder God's people are so distraught. If they don't know the truth, if they don't know his voice, if they don't learn his word, if we don't find out what our identity is and our hope is today, not tomorrow. Boy, I can't wait to get to heaven. What about today? You're already complete in him who died for you. What about today? How are you living today? Are you being a witness today? You know, when we see him in a minute, he's getting ready to speak and Lazarus is going to hear his voice and come out. And then the next chapter, you know what? Now they got to kill Lazarus too. See, the plan was only to kill Jesus. But wait a minute, there's somebody else that's the evidence. That's you and me. We're the witnesses. We're supposed to be evidence because we're living today. We're not following those in pit dwellers in this grave uh, uh, life down here. We're letting him roll the stone away from our heart. This is all set eternal truth. And when you're setting at the feet of Jesus, he gives you this truth. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit will lead you out of the grave. Do you want to live in the grave? Do you want to stay in the grave? The only way to come out is to draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. In John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to him, to the Jews who believed, if you abide in my word, if you live in it, if you listen to it, if you let it counsel you, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
Free from what? The grave. Free from the lie. Free from the pit dwelling. Free from continuing to follow the lying bad news that's down here. Listen, following the good shepherd, he leads us out of the grave. Everything down here is going to burn. Everything down here is flesh, except for the spirits. They're going to raise in the resurrection. What's your choice today? Do you want to do good? The only way to do good, there's none good but God. It's impossible to do good unless you have the Spirit of God in you. What does it say in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10? For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But you are complete in Him. Oh, excuse me. You are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that you should walk in them. The only way you're going to do those good works is when you're led out of the grave by the Holy Spirit. You find out what your gifts and talents and abilities are, and you begin to become a servant and lay your life down as our example did. And guess what? They're going to try to kill you if you do. They're going to want to shut you down. That's what death culture is all about. Because they want you to listen to their voice, to be led by their spirit, to do what they're doing, to desire their death. Because they have said no to God. But we say the same thing to him. When we ignore his word, when we don't abide in it, when we don't believe it, we walk in unbelief and we don't follow him, we're saying no to God. Some people say it out loud and you can see it in their face. They're going, get away from me. Others just tell lies. They go, I believe in Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I believe that you're the resurrection. I believe that you're the Messiah that's come into the world, Martha said. And then she went away and told her sister, the teacher's calling for you. Nobody's seen that in the text. I didn't see it in the text. Was she trying to manipulate and motivate other people by her words? Because we're called to be witnesses and deliver his word to people. Not our own words, not our own plans, not our own religion, but good works that we should walk in him, in them. We are his workmanship. That word is poema. We're poem, poems in progress. We're works in progress. I'm not who I'm going to be, but I'm certainly not who I used to be. And that's what you need to do every single day. Look at your life. Am I on the grow? Am I going? Am I being led by the Holy Spirit? Or am I just saying, I said a prayer, I'm fine. Listen, if you, all you did was said a prayer and you think you're fine, you are still in your grave clothes, in the tomb, in the cave, lying down dead. You can't go forward and backward at the same time. You can only be on the grow or you are dead. You're dying. You're killing the Holy Spirit. You're killing the voice and you're listening to some other voice as you say, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm going to keep following this. I'm okay. I got a little plan here. Me and the guy upstairs got a little deal made. That's death culture. That's death culture. You can't make up your own way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection in the life. And listen, he clearly, when he claimed the fifth time, I am the resurrection in life, clearly saying he was Jehovah God. All you had to do is read the text. They picked up stones. They want to kill him because he's claiming to be equal with God. Where's he leading you today? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Is he leading you onward and upward? Are you following him? 
Whose voice are you listening for? Is it self? Made up my own religion. I got this figured out. I got this little standard I got figured out. I can do what I want when I want because I said a prayer. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Listen to me. And you might not have said that. You might not have wrote it down on paper. You might not have a covenant with yourself. But if you think you can go on living any way you want, anytime you want, and just say, I'm okay, you're still in the grave, dead. That's God's standard, dead or alive. Quick in the dead is what Paul says. And if we're alive, we are making the most of the time. We are redeeming the time. We know that the days are short and people are going to be cast into hell and we're supposed to be witnesses, concerned about our neighbor, concerned about the people. What are the people in you, in, you influencing in your life? What are the people around you? Do they know you know Jesus? I always tell the, the testimony when I got saved. I was, I mean, I'm still excited. I was so excited. People go, oh, that pink cloud will go away. Oh, the, oh, the honeymoon period will wear off. How can, how can we come out of the grave and think that it's going to wear off? We were dead. We were going to hell. The flame and fire were burning us. And it doesn't impact our lives. I called back to the prison where I was in prison to tell people that I was saved. I give my life to Jesus. And they say, oh, we were saved, Greg. And I'm like, why did you never tell me? They sure were. They were saved. So they said they were saved. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me? Why were you living like you were dead? Where was the witness of Christ in your life? Where was the resurrection and the life at? Where was the word of God that comes out and tries to give me seed so that I can come out? Because that's what we're called to do. We're supposed to unwrap people. Tell them about Jesus. We're not supposed to go on chasing in the graveyards, living in the graveyard. This is dead down here. This is not what it's about. This is a dead planet. The fire is going to burn it up and make it new one day. Because it's all about death. It's been touched by the devil. It's been touched by the liar who coveted God's position. And then in his pride, he started telling people some other stuff. And he led a third of the angels to come down here and lie to people. And they're still lying to people. And the only way they're going to come out of the grave is when we tell them the truth. And then the Holy Spirit convicts them. But if they never hear the truth, if they just hear the teachers calling you, Especially when the teacher didn't call you yet. Listen, if you don't hear his voice, he hasn't called you yet. But if you say you've heard his voice, then come out of the grave. Come out of the world. Look at this, verse 37, as we closed last week. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Remember, they're doing this because they see Jesus weeping and they misinterpret him crying. Jesus is not crying because Lazarus is dead. He said in verse 19, I, it's for, I am glad that Lazarus died. I get in trouble all the time with that when I do funerals. Funerals are for the living, not for the dead. 
God gets to use death to bring life when he speaks to people. He wanted to show the glory of God that he was right now the resurrection and the life. He's not weeping because Lazarus is dead. Surely there's a message here that Jesus is acquainted with our grief. He's acquainted with our flesh because he became flesh to become acquainted. But that's not what's going on here. He cares about you. He loves you so much that he came and died on a cross and took your curse. But right now he's weeping because of their unbelief. He's weeping because they're looking for a future hope and they don't understand that they're standing in front of the resurrection and the life. They don't understand that we have been called out. We're not supposed to stay living here with our hearts wrapped around the grave clothes going, I'm just going to hang on to this for a while. We're supposed to be surrendering and led by the Spirit of God out of the grave because we're spirits that have been married, that's been betrothed to Christ. We're now joined with him and become one with him when you believe in Jesus. You become one with him. And when both die, life comes. I spoke about that at the funeral with my wife. When we had our funeral, it's when both of us died when we got married. That was our funeral. She just, she just became more alive than ever before when she was betrothed to Christ and now she's with him forever, one with him forever. And it's beautiful in the eyes of the Lord to see the death of his saints because his blood counted now. Instead of us down here still groping in the graves and looking for the treasures down here that are nothing, she's now crossed the finish line and her well done, good and faithful servant. Will I grieve? Yes, and Christ is acquainted with it. He understands it. He'll use it to make me die more to myself and live for Him. That's what suffering's about, to have fellowship with His sufferings. Where think about it, a sinless man who knew everything could have stopped anything because he's all-powerful, freely chose to lay down his life to save you and me. You think that it's hard for us? You know how hard it would be for somebody that knows they're innocent, knows they have the power, knows they can do it, and he has that power under control, self-control, it's a fruit of the Spirit? Do you know how hard it must have been for him to say, you know what? I know the will of the Father, and I'm going to do it, even though I can stop these people. I can say the word, and they're toast. But I'm going to voluntarily lay down my life just because I can say it doesn't mean I should say it. Self-control of the Spirit is very important. Self-control. Listen, surely he could have. What did he do? First, he opens your eyes. See, if your eyes are open, you see you're in a grave. If your eyes are open spiritually, you should know there's nothing good down here. It's all going to burn. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't keep chasing what you want to chase and go with God. Because if you stay where you're at, you don't get to go with God. Isn't it important if you're in a grave, you need to hear his voice. You need to know what it sounds like when he says, time to go. Hey, Greg, time to go. Do you think it's important to learn to hear it now? Because your spirit is with him if you die, but your body's in the grave and it has to get up. What's your body doing today? Is it hearing his voice? Are you beating it into subjection? That's what Paul says. Beat it into subjection. Beat it into subjection. Oh, now we can't be starting to talk about this stuff now. This is dangerous stuff. Really? 
Why do you think the world says you can't spank your children? You're training them in the way that they should go. Most kids don't need spanking if you start training them from the womb. They don't even need it. They already wake up and know that you're the authority. But when you don't train them from the womb the way God says, now you got to tune them up a little bit every once in a while. Same way God would chastise us. So the world begins to make laws and to make rules and tell you things that are against God. And it starts from the womb. And if you don't obey God from the womb, you're going to obey Him later. You're never going to come out of the grave. And that's what happens when we tell people, you say a prayer and you're okay. Wait a minute. That's not good. Because right now you're an infant that needs to desire the pure milk of the word. And then you need to move to maturity. And you need to grow up. And I'm, I, I see people all the time, 30, 40 years in the church, and they don't know nothing about the word of God. They didn't desire the milk of the word. They never moved to the meat of the word. And they don't know the voice of God. And they're not doing the work of God. They're still living for themselves. And that's apostasy at best. And it's actually no salvation at all at the worst. So what do we say? God's not capable? Yeah, I believe, I believe that He is the resurrection and the life. I believe that He's the Messiah. I believe that when I get to heaven, I'll see my loved ones. Really? How does it affect your life? Because if we say we believe, the demons believe and they never do nothing different. There's no way to keep doing the same thing you're always doing and make no decisions to be led by the Spirit and to think you're going with God. This is not a bad gospel. This is a good gospel unless you want to stay in the grave. If you like the grave, if you like death, if you like flesh that stinks. I worked all day stripping and waxing a dentist's office about seven hours on Friday and after Bible study. On Friday night, I went in to get, I forget what I was getting. What was I getting? Oh, I was looking for plates maybe in the classroom. And I turned and I smelled my own stink. And I went, why is it stinking here? And then I went, and I go, oh, it's me. I stink because I've been sweating all day and I didn't even know it. And see, that's what the devil does. He deceives us. We smell like the grave. We look like the grave. We talk like the grave. We're still in the grave. But he wants us to believe that we're okay. Today you have a hope. You can be the fragrance of Christ today. You can be a witness for Christ today. Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the wilderness. Guess what happened in the wilderness? All of them except for two that were 20 or older died in the wilderness because they refused to believe and trust God and follow him across the Jordan and into the promised land. They refused to. And then they said, wait a minute, we'll go now. And it goes, too late. See, there's a time when it's too late. But today, if you'll hear his voice, you can come out of the grave. But there's going to be a day when it's way too late. Jesus did not weep because of Lazarus being dead. He did not even share in their grief. In fact, their word for crying was wailing. His was just silently crying. Silently crying when he wept. 
And it was because of their unbelief that God would provide. He's looking at this nation that's supposedly supposed to be telling everybody and living for everybody and teaching everybody that they're the separate ones and that God has saved them and he's coming. He's coming from the tribe of Judah and they have this great message to give them of good news. And they know nothing about it because they've listened to false teachers for so long that they're going to kill their own Messiah. They're going to actually say that it's imperative to us to kill him, that one should die for the nation, and it's upside down. They don't even know that they're prophesying what God is doing. They think that it's saving their place, and that's what happens in our lives. We think we're saving our place. I'm saving my life. I'm doing good for me by hanging on to grave clothes, by running around in the pit and running around in the grave. I'm chasing after a relationship with this, chasing after money for that, chasing after this, all this desire that I have. And we're really killing ourselves. When you sin, you sin against your own soul. You're not sinning against God in this text. God doesn't change. Whether you sin or don't sin, God doesn't change. Whether you believe in him, he doesn't change. He's the unchanging God, but he's freely given you salvation. Me, salvation. Us, we, salvation together and made us a body of Christ that should be joyous and telling other people and be zealous about it. If the word is living, then shouldn't we be living? If it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, we should be people that are undone when we're in the Word of God. And we should want to go tell other people about it because of its very nature. It has to get out of me. I'm carrying dead man bones around. I want the Word to get out and to come alive in the streets so that other people can hear and come to life instead of living in the grave. Some people are happy to live in graves. That's why they make bars with dark lights down. You can't see that people are ugly and messed up and in misery. Listen, I'm serious. That's why the lights are down. It looks like a cave. It looks like a grave. It looks like death. Jesus is the light of the world. We have churches now that are turning the lights off while they do church and worship. Are you kidding me? The ecclesia, the church, is the called out ones. Called out of the grave. He's going to speak and call you out of the grave. The called out ones. Oh my goodness, I'm going to pop up here. I'm sorry. Could he? Yes, he opened the eyes of the blind, and most certainly, most certainly he could have kept him from dying. But look what God's will was. He he waited, he waited another two days to make sure he died before he even left to go to Bethany. He said, I'm glad he died. Wake up, people. He looks at death differently. And then he comes and he says, so that you can see the glory of God. God is bringing life out of death. That's the entire Bible. That's the entire history of God. That we were dead in our sins and trespasses and he gave us life when we heard his voice. 
My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Where were we at? We were in the grave. He came down and spoke and now we're following him because we're seated in heavenly places with him now. That's our position. But we got to take off the grave clothes. Listen to me. Colossians 3. Read that as your homework later. Let's read and then we'll pray and we'll get into today's lesson. Certainly he could have healed him from the sickness. But isn't he going to do a greater work? He's going to raise him from the dead. That's a bigger miracle than healing somebody's sickness. Watch the miracle. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. This is verse 38 of chapter 11 of John. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Powerful. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, and because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, a napkin, King James, just Jesus said to him, to them, excuse me, not to him. Jesus said to them, very important, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own power, his own authority, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for the nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he will come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it that they might seize him. 
Father, thank you for your word and thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light so we could proclaim your praises. Lord, show us your glory. Lord, help us to tell others. Lord, help it to be a fire in our bones that would have to get out and they would see that light. Help it to be a light in our bones, Lord, that would have to get out. Thank you for being the resurrection and the life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now again, 38, Jesus again groaning in himself. I like it because he groaned in the spirit in 33. And guess what? In in 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says the Lord is the spirit. So really when he groans here again in himself, he's groaning in the spirit again. He's groaning in the spirit. So did they even hear it? Because if you're groaning in the spirit, it's not an outward groaning. He's groaning within himself. Came to the tomb. So he's following them for this moment. Listen, he came to them. He came down to the earth. He, he, we're going to see it in chapter 13 when he... He, he comes down, he takes off his outer garment, and he comes down to wash feet. Here he comes down to this grave, to this place of death, to save lives. He comes to the tomb. It was a cave. It means a, a grotto or a cavern, a hiding place. Listen, it could actually mean a resort. Some people treat this planet like it's a resort. They're happy as can be. They're pit dwellers. They love everything that's going on. They're entertaining themselves. They like death. They don't care. They said no to God. They openly say no to God. And it's their little resort. It's the best it's ever going to get for them. It's the best it's ever going to get for them. This is the worst it's ever going to be for us. If we're following Jesus, a grotto. I don't even know what some of these words mean. Listen, he called it a den of thieves. The same word was used when he said, my house should be a house of prayer for all nations. You've made it a den of thieves. Same thing. It's a den. It's a grave. We turn the church into a grave instead of people that have hope in the resurrection today, not future today is the day of salvation today is the day of deliverance today is the day to be led by the holy spirit and to come out and be clothed in the newness of life and to tell other people but we turned it back into a den of thieves just like the nation of israel did because they didn't want to hear his voice they didn't want to follow him make no mistake our actions speak louder than our words So they come to this cave, this den of thieves, and a stone lay against it. Stone is a millstone. God had given me, listen, I don't know about your life, but in my life, God had given me enough of the word of God to know the truth of God and be convicted by it in my conscience. And when me and my wife got married, 
it was because I knew the scripture that it's better that a millstone be tied around your neck and it be cast into ocean than to cause one of my little ones to stumble. Listen to me. And my wife had given her life to Jesus and began going to church. She wasn't my wife at that time because we were both pit dwellers enjoying in the grave until we come to Jesus. And God began to speak to me. And I had given my life to Jesus some 15 years before. A convicted murderer shared Jesus with me in the county jail, and I give my life to Jesus. But nobody ever told me to read the Bible. Nobody ever told me that I needed to be discipled. So I just prayed. I was in prison for 12 years and prayed all the time because I was scared to death. I was still down here in a grave, scared to death, even though I said I knew Jesus. There's no, there's no reason to fear if you know Jesus. He's here. He's given you life and nobody can take it from you. But you can sure follow some liars. So I knew it was either give up the physical and live the spiritual. One or the other. You can't do both. And God gave me a song that was agape, agape. The time is nigh at hand. Take up your cross and follow me. The time is nigh at hand. It's my song. It's not your song. It's how God spoke to me. I didn't even have a clue what agape was at the time. Until I started going to church and realized it was the, the word for unconditional love. But I knew that I couldn't make one of his children stumble. This is the stone that's on the grave. It's, it's a millstone. It's a stone that you can leave on your heart's door. You can leave there. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock at your grave. You're already dead if you haven't come alive. And that stone is on the door of your grave. And he's knocking. And he doesn't say, if you hear the rap of my knuckles. He says, if you hear my voice, I will come into you and dine with you and you with me. That's something that close, intimate friends do. Now, I don't know if you've read ahead, but in chapter 12, guess where you find Jesus at? Seated with Lazarus at a table having a meal. Because that's what happens when you follow the good shepherd. He opens your eyes to spiritual truth, and then you begin to follow him, and he calls you out of the grave, and you're sitting down at a table with him that he's prepared in the presence of your enemies these dead people down here, that pit dwellers that don't want to follow him. And you sit with Jesus. He's with you. You're sitting at his feet. It's all set in place. It's sound eternal truth that cannot be changed because he's an unchanging God. It's spiritual eternal truth that cannot be changed because he's an unchanging God. But do we know anything about it? Have we died to self and cried out to him over it? Not for a week, not for two weeks, for life. I wish I had a dollar for everybody that said, well, I did that for two weeks. Didn't work for me. How long did you live in the grave? How long did you live in your sin? How long did you ever come out of it? I'm sorry, I just get a little excited over the Word of God. I'll calm down for you when I get to heaven. 
What's the stone that's on your heart? On your grave? What's the stone that needs to be removed that's causing you to stumble? What's the stone that you keep pursuing that you won't get into the word, prayer, and fellowship and let the Holy Spirit lead you onward and upward to be seated with Christ Jesus so you can get to heaven? This is a serious thing. Your house is on fire. Your grave is closed up if you're not living for Jesus right now. Not some, all of it. He didn't buy some of your life. He bought all of it with His precious blood. We have to turn our hearts toward home. Now just remember, because this is the witness here. Here's your witnesses. This is what we're doing today. We're equipping. Notice he didn't say to Lazarus, get your own stone off your grave. He looked at them and said, take away the stone. Listen, that's what truth does. When you speak truth to somebody, it rolls the stone back so they can see the light of day. And then they have to make a choice if they want to hear the voice and come out of that grave. They can stay in it. You can hear God's voice and stay in the grave all day long. You can say, oh, I believe. What do you believe? The demons believe and tremble and they're in the grave. They're dead. There's no salvation for them. He's the resurrection and the life today. There's no time with God. Why do we tell people, oh, when you get there? No, today. Always. He was before you were born. He's always been life. He's always the one that stands back up again. He's always the one that there's a recovery of spiritual truth. It's only by him that that can happen. It cannot happen by man. So don't trust in man. Now notice the one with faith, Martha, she was rebellious. That's her testimony. I was rebellious. No, you're still rebellious. Listen to what she's going to do. She's going to argue with Jesus. Oh, I was rebellious, but you better get your life right and understand that anytime your flesh can jump up and then your truth takes over instead of listening to the voice of God. Mary means their rebellion. Martha means she was rebellious. And the only way he's coming out of that tomb is with God's help. That's what Lazarus means. Him whom God helps. Is that what it means? Let me read it. Whom God helps by the Holy Spirit, Eleazar, one who comes alongside to help. Listen to me. This is very serious stuff. Oh, it's in the Bible, too. I'm reading it right now. You're not going to find it in somebody's number one bestseller. You're not going to find it in a commentary. The Bible. Listen to me. This is very important for you. Martha says, Lord. Oh, it's not there. She's called him Lord. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord, kurios, you're Lord of everything. And we're not going to listen to that, Lord, because by this time there has to be a smell. There ha he stinketh. For he's been dead for four days. Think about that for a minute. 
Yeah, well, I didn't really want to tell them about Jesus because I know they're still chasing so-and-so. I didn't want to share the gospel with those people because they're over there and their grave is closed and they stinketh and I'm not going out there. See, the church always grows up and they quit going back to the people who stink that are dead. They're in the grave. Oh, we're going to do this and this and this and we're going to stay over here. We're not going to talk about Jesus. We're not going to roll any stones away. Listen to me. Martha is arguing, but she thinks she was rebellious. She still is rebellious when you argue with the word of God. Jesus just spoke and said, roll the stone away. And then she got in the way of the people that were probably moving toward the stone. Because she was rebellious. To the word of God. To the truth of God. To having faith and believing God and getting up in, in, in faith and going out and doing what she was told to do, not by sight, not by sense of smell. But that's what we all do. And by the way, that's what sin and death smells like to Jesus. But he's not afraid of it. He stinketh by now. Now listen, they didn't embalm. You know what they did? They wrapped you in loose grave clothes, wrapped you up, and then they put myrrh and aloe. They put oils on you to have fragrance that covered it so that then they get that stone on there and you're done. You're inside there. And four days later, boy, he was he stinking. He stinketh, Martha said. What did Jesus say to him or to her? Verse 40, this is judgment, okay? 40 is judgment. Listen, you want to be judged in your life? Listen to what the voice of God says. Jesus said to she was rebellious. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, pistio, trust in me for your spiritual well-being and follow me, a constancy in that, that you would see the glory of God? That's judgment right there. Did God not say he was sending a Messiah? Should they not have been? Oh, oh, they were. I'm sorry. They were all looking for a Messiah. Everybody in the world today is looking for a Savior. And we're being set up by the Antichrist right now for a Savior of this mess we're in. It's a lie. And they're going to choose the Antichrist. But everybody's looking for somebody to help them. And God says, my name is, my Holy Spirit is one who comes alongside to help. No, that's not what we're talking about. We want to do something else. Are you kidding me? The Spirit of God has come to help that knows the heart of God, knows what's going on in your heart, and He comes to live in your heart, and He wants to lead you out of the grave, and you say, no, not right now, I'm busy. I stinketh. I was rebellious. I said a prayer. I got saved. No, you're still rebellious, and you're still ignoring the Word of God, and that's the only way to be led out of this world, out of this grave, out of this death, away from this grave when He speaks. And the trump sounds, and with the voice of an archangel, the, the, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will meet him in the air. That's how he's going to speak. Will you hear his voice, or will you keep going right along just like you've always done? Someone famously said years ago that if God took the Holy Spirit out of the Acts church, only 5% of what they were doing was continue. But if you took the Holy Spirit out of today's church, 95% of what we were doing would continue. Because it's got nothing to do with the Spirit of God or the Word of God. We've got a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. The same way the nation of Israel did 
when they did not believe God. They did not believe his word. They changed it to fit themselves, to, to fit their stinking flesh, instead of realizing that he's an unchanging God. And the gospel changes you. You don't change the gospel. You can't change God. You can't change the good news. Not in going anywhere, not do anything other than be dead. It's living. And if you're reading it and spending time in it and drawing near to God, you will be alive. But if you're not, then you must be still in the grave with your grave clothes on, stinketh, smelling. There's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. All of our counsel has to come from this wonderful counselor, mighty God, the Prince of Peace. It has to come from Him. Or we're listening and going the wrong direction. The glory of God. You want to see the glory of God? Obey His voice. Believe Him. Trust Him. My goodness, He's the resurrection and the life. He spoke and created the heavens and the earth. You think He doesn't know what's going on in your heart, your life? You you think He can't get you across the finish line? Oh, but this hurts, and I'm not doing that, and I'm mad at them. This really just bothers me. This frosts me. I'm tired of it. Are you kidding me? You were dead, and you was given the grace and the mercy of God, and you're mad at somebody else? You can't forgive somebody else when a perfect, holy, righteous, innocent God forgave you, and you want to be like him, and his first characteristic that you love is that he forgave you but you don't want to forgive anybody else. No, I refuse to hear your voice. I refuse to be like you, God, because they deserve my wrath. They deserve me to say that about them. They deserve me. Really? What did you deserve? And he's leading you out. He gives you grace and mercy. He forgives you. You want to be like God, you have to obey his voice. And walk where he's walked. Then they took away the stone. Listen, he said, did I not say? Listen, let me remind you. When you hear his word, do what he says. You're not going to have life if you don't do what his word says. You're going to still be dead. You're going to still be in the grave. Let me see. Look, then 41, they took away the stone. What did that do? It exposed some darkness in there, didn't it? Let's open up. Let's shine some light inside that darkness. From the place where the dead man was lying, what happened then? Oh, my goodness. Jesus, who sat in at the right hand of the Father, he began to pray for us because he's the one making intercession. Because that's the only way you're coming out of the grave is if he intercedes, if he dies in our stead, if he makes atonement and makes you at one with God again. He lifted up his eyes. Where's your eyes at? Are you looking up or are you looking out? You looking up? That's where your help comes from. Doesn't come from nobody down here. Listen, even if somebody teaches you a good lesson, it didn't come from down here. Come from above. It's because of a gift that somebody gives to a teacher, to an evangelist, to somebody who spoke a good word at the gas station. It didn't come from nothing down here in this grave. Jesus came from above. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. 
There's no shadow or shifting in him. He doesn't change. It comes from the Father of lights, shining into your dark grave, that place where you hide in your cave. They took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, now, see, we always say that's praying, right? That's what he's doing. But who's he praying to? Who's he looking to? Who's he delivering us to? Who did he say in John chapter 5? If you believe him who sent me, the Father. This is all about being delivered back into a family. And the Father is the head of it all. Father, I thank you. You notice, he, listen to me, listen to me. Notice he didn't say, Father, would you please raise him from the dead? See, there's life in the Father. I just read it in John 5. There's life in the Father, and it's been given to Jesus to have life in him. And anybody he calls out, if you hear his voice, he calls them out of the grave. And none of us can do this perfectly. Let me put a disclaimer in here really quick. I'm not trying to say I've arrived anywhere. This is really easy stuff to do when you have a gift of teaching and you're opening it up and the Holy Spirit is expounding it and He wants to plant it in your heart. But to go out there and walk it out is very hard. Take some death to self. But shouldn't we believe it first? If you don't believe it, you're never going to try to go out and do it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But if you're never in the Word of God, where does faith come from? I better keep moving. We'll be here for supper. I thank you, Father. Look, he just thanks him. He's doing this as a witness. He's doing it as an example. He already is in perfect communion with the Father. So are you if you'll confess your sins. So are you if you'll be led by the Spirit of God. So are you if you'll understand your identity. The penalty for sin has been taken in Christ. The power of sin has been taken in Christ. The pleasure of sin is being taken as you stay in Christ. The practice of sin is being removed from your heart as you stay in Christ. And the very presence of sin will soon be gone when you cross the finish line. But you have to come out of the grave. To get across the finish line. There's no finish line inside the grave. You're already finished. You have to follow. Run this race with endurance. Doing what? Looking unto Jesus. Where's he at? Up. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Looking unto Jesus. Why Jesus? He's the author. He wrote it. And then he came down and finished it. Completely, he said, to die. It is finished. And then what did he do, Greg? He gave up his spirit. Nobody took his life. God, very God, came down for that purpose to lead us out of the grave and teach us that there's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. And if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is the word of God. It's the truth of God. All we have to do is follow him. And when you stumble, when you mess up, 
because you will. Not giving you permission to. You should kick yourself in the face, pump him back in the grave. Serious. You need to be, you need to have the flesh in the grave. But your spirit. That's why I've been telling people, they say, How you doing? And you know what you want to do? You want to look at them like you want to look at them like Job's miserable counselors. What do you mean? How am I doing? My flesh is destroyed, but my spirit is doing great. Because I know Jesus. I know that today he's the resurrection and the life, not tomorrow. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed because I know the King of Kings. I know how it all ends. I know what he's called me to do. And now he's called me to do it without my wife. And he has a purpose and a plan. It was set in place. And I don't know how anybody goes through it if they're not sitting at his feet when it happens. How could you ever go through it? If you're not sitting at his feet. And yet I'm being redundant or repetitive. So he looks up and he looks at the Father and he thanks him for always hearing him. You have heard me. He's given God the glory. Did I not say that if you would believe me, you would see the glory of God? Jesus is always being a witness to the glory of God. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. And I know, I do, that's the word you say when you believe in Christ. I do. It's a marriage ceremony. I do, I know, I understand that you always hear me. Do you guys know that? Do you know if you believe in Jesus, that he's Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that now you become into the family of God and he is not just a good father, he is a great father that sent salvation for you and that every time you open your mouth to speak to him, he hears it instantly. He's not going, ah, I think I'll just hang out for a while and let him talk for a long time. He's there, an ever-present help in time of need. He's ready to take care of you. He longs to take care of you. He's a father that's here to save you. He gave His only begotten Son to bring you out of this grave. And Jesus knows that perfectly. He's in perfect communion with God. And so instead of saying, Father, I pray, He just says, thanks for hearing me. Because He already knew His heart. Thanks for hearing me. I'm going to go through these motions so they'll know how to pray, where to look at, where to fix their eyes, how to posture themselves when they're standing in front of a grave and they're crying and grieving, not understanding and unbelief what's going on. This is a period down here of a courtroom, 70, 80 years, where we find out what we're going to do for eternity. This is so temporal down here. And yet we're so temporal we hang on to it we cleave to it don't you dare touch my grave clothes leave me alone i like my sin i'm staying in this darkness how dare you wait a minute i'm a loving god who spoke and i want to shine light into your darkness because i love you no god i want to grieve i want to be mad i want to keep pursuing the grave no god i like what i'm doing
And see, I'm looking right here thinking, you know what I'm thinking? Come on, Lord. I wanted to finish the whole text because this is a fire in my heart. I want to get to the end of this because it's so good. But I'm thinking, oh, they're getting wore out already. Talking about the grave and talking about life. It's not supposed to be a burden. It's supposed to be joy. We're supposed to wake up and walk it out. It's not supposed to be a burden. It's supposed to be joyous to hear the voice of Jesus. Forty-two, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this. See how he's an example of even how to pray for those who are witnessing and watching and going to see this? And how sad it is that these people are all watching, wailing, and pretending like there's grief in their heart about somebody dying. And then they see the resurrection and the life speak and raise somebody from the dead. And you know what they do? bunch of them go away and just tattle on him and gossip and talk about him and keep living like pit dwellers. Some of them believe. Most of them go away and just go, that crazy Jesus, he won't quit it. And then the ruling authorities, the government, they have to say, we got to kill that guy. And they believe a lie. And they live in a lie. Let's keep moving. He did it for them. He did it for an example that they might believe that the Father hears, that they might trust Him and have a constancy in it. That's the word pistio again. 43. Now, when He had said these things, when He was the example of how to pray, where to look, how to look up, He cried with a loud voice. It was a shout with the phone. He called with a loud voice with a phone to Lazarus, the one whom God helps come out of the grave. Come forth. Not come fifth, not come sixth, not come second. Come forth. Come forward out of the grave. Well, why is that? Sheep are forward moving. Come forth. Don't go backward, back into the grave. It stinketh in there. Come forth. And what happens? Because right now, listen to me. When God calls you forth out of the grave, you've got a choice to make. You can choose to hear the voice of God and obey, or you can choose to hear the voice of God and stay. But he wants to take you onward and upward. He wants you to follow him. He's a good shepherd. He leads you out of through the door of the grave and through into heaven, the door. He is the door. He leads you into heaven, into fellowship with God, back into the family of God as the kinsman redeemer. He who died, make no mistake, he was dead. He's not resurrected. He's resuscitated. He arises, but he's not resurrected because he's going to come back into the same body. 
he's going to have the same body. This is not a glorified body. Jesus is the first fruits from the resurrection. Everybody that's been raised from the dead until Jesus, they just got back up in the same body. I wonder if he was sitting at the table in chapter 12 with, 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 with uh, Jesus going, dude, I was good. You could have left me in heaven. But his spirit hadn't left his body yet. It was for the glory of God. It was for an example. He cried out in 44, he who died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a napkin a cloth a veil but it means a napkin you know why because chapter 12 they're going to be sitting at the table eating together in fellowship you need a napkin if you're going to come out and sit down with Jesus to wipe your face because he's set a table before you that is abundantly way above what you could ever hope for or imagine. And you're going to feast on the bread of life, the word of God. You need a napkin. You need a napkin. Believe me, I do. His face was wrapped with a napkin. Jesus said to them, notice he didn't say it to him. Because this is the one another ministry. Loose him and let him go. His spirit is free because he heard the voice of God, but his physical body is wrapped up and bound up. The flesh is still bound up with these grave clothes, and we need help to unwrap them. And that's the body ministry where we help one another by our very witness, by our counsel, by our words, by what we do. We help unwrap people from their grave clothes. And you know what? When the church is living in an apostasy, nobody sees a good witness. Nobody sees... I talked to a young man named Theodore this week from Nigeria. And sadly, I asked him if he knew Jesus, and he said, yeah, I know Jesus. I said, you go to church anywhere? He goes, nah, I don't see anybody living for Jesus. He said, I come from Nigeria. And he said, when the preachers show up there, all there is is a big, long entourage of big, fancy cars. He said, that's not the gospel. He was sour over the gospel because all he's seen was people saying, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. And, it, and you can't preach the gospel we're preaching in America, in Nigeria, and set people free. And if you can't preach that word everywhere, it's not the word of God. You can't preach an American gospel in Nigeria and set people free. You can preach the Bible anywhere and set people free. That's why it's so important for you. If you want to come out of the grave, if you want to hear his voice, you have to have a personal relationship with this word. You have to learn to hear his voice. You have to have a relationship with him and say, yes, Lord. You hear his voice and you say, yes, Lord, I'm coming out of the grave. I see that darkness. I see that pit. I see that death in my life. And I want you to help me. Why is everybody afraid of fellowship? Because other people want to help you. They can smell the stench. We help each other. 
But if we admit it, we all stink. We all stink. In some way or another. Listen to me. You have to obey the voice of God. And then you have to let people help you. You got to drop your pride. There's people that are more mature. There are people that can tell you what to do. You have to learn to listen. I used to get so so uh, irritated with Tom Camp when I got saved. He'd go, oh, that's Greg. He was just in prison for 12 years. I'm like, Tom, don't tell people that. Not that I didn't want him to tell I was in prison. Tell people, hey, I'll talk to him. Hey, I'll tell him that that rubbed him wrong. I want to know. I don't want people to walk around and be fake and be on eggshells. Why would we want to pretend? Lord, or Tom, that's not my excuse. I'm a sinner. That was probably part of my salvation to go to prison for 12 years. I'd be dead by now. But don't make excuses for me. If I'm doing something wrong, speak to me. If they need to lighten up and give grace, tell them to lighten up and give grace to Greg. But we got to preach the gospel no matter who it is, no matter who it is. Even it, it, the worst part we have is in our own family. And I'm not talking about the scripture where uh, 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 um, a prophet has no honor in his own home. I'm talking about the part where we want to apply it to everybody else, but we won't apply it in our own house. I'm talking about the part where we'll preach to the whole world, but we won't live the standard in our own house. We're really good at telling people counsel, but what about obeying the counsel that God gives us? Because what we do is very important. Yes, faith comes by hearing, but do not forget that when Luke wrote to Theophilus in Acts chapter 1, he wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Because he was sent to do something. And as he did it, they kept questioning him, so he told them, why he was doing it? Because I've been sent. I've been called. And I'm doing it. I don't need your authority to do it. I was sent by God the Father. That's enough authority. But we're looking for somebody down here to give us authority to read the Word of God, to share the Word of God with people, to tell people to come out of the pit and quit living in the grave. Listen, are you helping anybody loose their grave clothes? Oh, I know. Don't judge me, man. Don't judge me, man. No, I'm trying to help unwrap your grave clothes. You're not helping anybody, so I'm helping you unwrap them. You're still living like you're in the pit. And it's, I'm not my brother's keeper. What happened to that guy? He ended up killing his brother because he didn't want to be his brother's keeper. He didn't want to listen to God's voice. He didn't want to obey God. He didn't want to come out of the grave. He didn't want to help do anything. He wanted to keep his eyes fixed upon himself. And instead of doing good, remember we was talking about good. That's what the resurrection's about. And instead of doing good, he was mad that God didn't accept his own religion, his own way, his own thing. And he ends up killing his brother. And then what happened, Greg? The blood of righteous Abel, the first martyr, cried out from the ground. God knows who's covered in the blood. God knows all about the blood. God gave the blood of his son for our salvation. 
I love it that he heard his voice. And many people say, if he had just said, come out, then all the graves would have been empty. And some say that you'll hear your own personal name when you're called out of the grave in the resurrection to life. You'll hear your name because that's the mark that's on you. That's a mark of individuality. God told me years ago to remember people's names. I love remembering people's names. But you know how I remember them? I pray for them. Because if they're on your prayer list, when you see them, you'll know them. Jesus is praying for us right now. He knows you. He knows those are his. And he says, I know those are the firm foundation of God stands. He knows those who are his. And let everyone who calls on the name of Jesus depart from iniquity. Come out of the grave. If you're living in the grave, you're in sin. But if your heart is moving towards coming out and shining a light and living for God and because you know your citizenship is in heaven, then you're, you're getting away from sin. You're removing it. You're getting rid of the practice. You're moving away from the grave. The grave is where sin's at. Christ defeated the grave. There's no victory there. There's no sting there anymore. He took the power and the penalty and the place. And he wants to take the practice and the pleasure of sin from you before he takes you from the presence of it into heaven. And he has to make all things new because the devil's been up there. So he makes it new also. Oh, I wanted to get to this. So, your homework is Colossians 3. Colossians 3. You guys writing that down? That's your homework. God, this guy gets really weird now. He's trying to give homework. We would go to college and would take homework. We would pay them to give us homework. This is free homework. You don't have to pay me. It's free. Let's just read it real quick. Just the first part of it, since many of you won't read it. I'm not saying anything bad. I'm not being mean. Listen, 3-1. If then, that's a big word, you were raised... You've recovered spiritual knowledge. You've stood back up again with Christ. Seek, fix your eyes on those things which are above. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Then what do I do? Set, there it is. Sound eternal truth, spiritual eternal truth. Set your mind, will and emotions on things above. Not on things on the earth, for you died. Remember over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if we judge if one died, then all died, and we don't regard anything as flesh and blood anymore. For you died. Listen, did you die at your mar- at your wedding when you believed in Jesus? Did you die? Can't raise unless you die. He started out with that. For you died, and your life is hidden. You're inaccessible. Devil can't get to you. You're hidden in Christ Jesus. You're your own worst enemy. My Bible study leader used to look in the mirror and go, no, no, no. 
Because that self-deception is bad. The devil made me do it. No, you believe the lie. You like the grave. You're living in the pit. Instead of pursuing things above. Setting your mind on being involved in the ministry of loosing others from the grave. Being a witness, becoming an ambassador of Christ as if Christ was pleading through us, be reconciled to God. Well, why would I do that? Because he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's safe with the Father. When Christ, who is your life, appears, manifest, second advent, then you also will appear with him in glory. Right now, you get to see the glory of God when you believe. You get to see people stand up. I was telling the guys yesterday, you know what always excites me? To see somebody get it. I'm serious. To see somebody go, oh, and the light bulb goes on and they start reading their Bible and they start having a love relationship with God. And the light bulb goes on. It excites an old dog like me. So then he goes on to talk about verse 5 through 11. Take off the grave clothes. Um, Verse 12 through 17. Put on Christ. And then he tells how that applies when you're dealing with wives and husbands and children and workers, bond servants. You can read the chapter later. I just wanted you to see that part. Have you heard the voice of God? Then come out of the grave. Obey. Be sanctified and cleansed. That's what this is talking about. Take off the grave clothes. Quit believing the lie. Quit listening to the government. Quit listening to the liar. Quit being involved in a physical battle. I wish I could keep going because he's going to listen to what their plan is. It's the same plan that was going on in Genesis 11. The same lie, the same authority. Oh no, we better build a tower and make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered. And they say the same thing in this text. Oh no, we're going to lose our place in our nation. They admit the truth. They say if we let this guy alone, everybody will believe in him. Are you kidding me? Quit tampering with the word of God then. Quit trying to change the word of God and let it change you. Because if you let it alone and just abide in the vine, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from him, you can do nothing except live in the grave. I wish I could get to this. This is good stuff. I wanted to keep going. But if I do, we'll be here till three o'clock. I guarantee you. My brain's popping. But what I really want is for you to say, Holy Spirit, you're the only teacher. Give me a desire to sit down and read the word systematically and go through it and hear your voice so that when the graves open up, I'll hear your voice and I'll rise to the resurrection of life because of the good things that you've done through me. 
Because I'm your workmanship. I'm your poema created in Christ Jesus for good works that I should walk in them. Today, today is the day for salvation. He's the resurrection and the life. He's here today, not tomorrow. If we only have a future hope, we're pitiful people. He's here today to give you life and that more abundantly and to lead you out of the grave and you are inaccessible. Evil cannot touch you because of the strong man that lives in your heart. You've been set free to follow Jesus. You've been given a privilege to be a witness for Jesus. Not to sit back and enjoy the grave. You enjoy the now, that's what you'll enjoy in the future because you reap what you sow. Listen to me. You follow him out now, you'll follow him out later because you reap what you sow. When you get into the middle of the battle and, and you go, oh my goodness, what just happened? You'll reap what you sow. God's preparing you today for tomorrow. And they're lying to us. But the voice of truth never lies to us. And it's not confusing like Babylon. That's what it means. Confusion. Babylon means confusion. Don't be surprised when you're a delusion because they reap what they sow. I want to give it to you. They're in the land of Shinar. Shinar is where Chaldeans come from. Chaldeans are the same as the Babylonians. Who were they? They were the woke people of the day. They were the, supposed to be the most educated. That's where he's getting ready to go. That's Caiaphas means Chaldean. That's what we're getting ready to see. Caiaphas is going to prophesy false prophets. But he's going to give a true prophecy, but lead them in the wrong way. Caiaphas is a Chaldean. Well, what's that mean, Greg? Well, if you go back and look at Acts chapter 4, you know that the real high priest is Annas. Not Caiaphas. Caiaphas has been appointed by those in power, the Romans. He's the son-in-law of the true high priest. Be careful what you're following. The Bible reveals everything going on today because God's not silent. He's still speaking loud and clear if you want to come out of the grave and listen. We'll get into that deeply next week. If we're still here, I'm ready to go. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the resurrection and the life today. And that we don't have to live in darkness or in bondage or stay in the grave, but we can hear your voice and come out and do the work of the ministry. We can tell others your truth and your truth sets people free. Thank you for freedom. Thank you that we've been set free for freedom's sake. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and your presence. Thank you for the bread that we follow, the bread of life that leads us out of darkness and to safety in your house because of the name above all names. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they're safe.
inaccessible, cannot be touched because of your blood, your salvation. Open our mouths, Lord. Give us a voice. Send us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?